Yeah, I just feel like a real radio guy. You feel like I'm pretty strong. Sitting in this chair in front of this microphone. You look like one. I vote for you. Your voice is definitely the most powerful. Go eat all the scenario where you're a pretend politician and I'm the voice of the pol. I think. Oh, were you here when we? Oh, hey. Uh, hello there. Uh, it seems you've stumbled into our humble studio. Really caught me off guard today. Uh, well, we were talking up a storm. Welcome to Know It All with Tay and Kay. I am Tay. I'm Kay. And, well, I, I suppose we should just uh, jump right into things. Yeah. We've got a topic today that's way more interesting than you probably think. You are probably looking at the picture and thinking, oh, that's a really, you know, charming picture. Uh, that's, uh, you know, really good idea i've never heard about this topic before but you know i don't want to listen to it because i'm just gonna listen to you know know, this american life or or democracy now or or any other car talk that kind of thing but i think you should really do yourself a favor and continue listening to this podcast because we've really got a phenomenally rewarding program (laughs) today (laughs) oh God, that's good. Thank you, thank you. So in the long-storied history of human existence, there has proven time and time again to be no greater desire, no greater prize, nothing sought after quite so much as today's topic. Men and women for millennia have defied death, challenged authority, worked tirelessly, trained rigorously, begged, borrowed, stolen, heisted, lied, cheated, and mimicked in order to gain just one of these ornaments of honor. It's the reason athletes submit their lives to tireless physical exertion. It's the reason scientists toil over nonsensical equations. One could say that the entire reason the global economy stays in balance is because of trophies. Trophies. We begin this week's foray into the wide world with an unfortunate anecdote, unfortunately. Kevin and I thought it would only be fitting to begin this episode by bestowing some well-deserving people with some accolades of our own. The recipients in question would be the hard-working employees of the Langford, Kentucky-based Tim Thompson's Trophies Incorporated, which is, in fact, the largest trophy manufacturer in the world. We chucked out a few bins of dusty dino bones and filled every available crevice until the Tangay Research Fan was super-saturated with first-rate Homemade trophies. Thank you, Mom. And Taylor's mom. Moms of the year. Let me see one. (laughs) Ha! Oh, it says, trophy with the mofty. Clever, right? I know who's getting a trophy this Christmas for quality engraving and smelting. Mom. Mom. We arrived bright and early in the morning, giddy with excitement at the prospect of bestowing rewards from our accolade-laden van to the talented and humble employees of Tim Thompson's trophies. However... Our plans were shattered upon pulling up to the security gate and coming face to face with the antagonist of our generous journey. He was only five and a half feet tall at the most, and this gargoyle, without even asking for our autographs, asks us what our business is. Taylor was about to tell him to look in the back of the van when a thought hit me. We didn't have a trophy for him. 
Surely, if he discovered a van full of cute little golden cups for the Tim Thompson employees, he would expect one for himself. So, when he asked if he could look in the back, I simply gave him a hard, disrespectful no. His face immediately turned sour, so in order to show that we were genial, happy guys, I started laughing. Yeah, he didn't like that either. Then this troglodyte asks us to step out of the van. The Unbelievable! Nerve. So I says to him, no can do, buckaroo. You understand, business is business. Now get out of our way. We got a little surprise for your company. And this Philistine must not have had a very good sense of humor because then I started laughing again and he became visibly distressed. So distressed that he scurried to his phone, called for backup, and brandished his firearm. Now before his stubby little legs could waddle him out of his pathetic little hut, we'd slammed into reverse and vanished like two ghosts with a van brimming with awards for an ungrateful recipient. What an unfortunate day that was. In case you think we're less than thorough, we had our mothers make us a fleet of smaller, second-place trophies for Martin's Medals and Trophies, the number two manufacturer. We dumped the first-place trophies off at the studio and loaded up the van with the second-to-one trophies and headed to Martin's, where we were met with essentially the same response. And our third-place trophies, as well as our van, were confiscated by Chinese customs officials. It took over three months of cold-hearted bureaucracy to get our van back, and when we did, it was completely empty. Well, I suppose that does mean that they accepted the trophies. Uh, yeah, different cultures, I guess. So, if you're the sort of individual who has never received an award of any kind, or if you're a big know-it-all fan, write us a letter. And let us know why we should appreciate your loyalty, and if, if we like your response, we will send you a trophy for it. Just ignore the engraving which states trophy with the mufti. Taylor, I see that in honor of today's episode, you have brought in a few dozen trophies of your own. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. Uh, I see, Kevin, that you have also brought in a large number of your own trophies. Oh, these old things? What's that one for? Which one? Uh... The one in your lap that you've been polishing since we started recording. This one I received about ten years ago during my heyday as a world-class laser tag player. Mm. That always struck me as a strictly cash-awarding sport. Well, they only give out trophies if you're, um... Uh... <laughs> what? Good? I was going to say phenomenal, but, uh, sure. We'll say good. They don't tend to give out trophies for stuff that isn't really important. Well, that must mean that laser tag is pretty important, and I'm really good at laser tag, so I'm You're important. You're a man about town. You betcha. <clears throat> oh, um, what's that trophy you're holding for? Oh, this! Uh, well, take a look. Oh, wow. Wow. World's greatest dad that's great that's terrific taylor they don't just hand these out to anyone i mean you know what they say if, if they, they put, put it, it on a trophy, trophy it, it must be, be true. true and it has been proven time and time again that there is no greater honor than to receive a trophy with which to hoist high above one's head as if to say look at me world look at the magnificence thou hast wrought it's traditional to hoist a trophy where does that come from? Ancient times, of course. Of course. Trophies date back over 150,000 years, and archaeologists believe that aside from cave paintings, 
Trophies are the earliest known art form. Early trophies were simply rocks, usually of a pleasing visual or tactile nature, which would be gifted by males to females as a tangible object of courtship. The quality of the rock would show the female if the male had good vision by judging how pretty it was, if they were strong by the mass of the rock, and whether or not the male was a good lover by the shape of the rock. If the female was satisfied, she would place the rock on her mantle, which was also a rock. Tell is an old Celtic word, by the way, which means collection. The females often had trophies from several male suitors that all hung on her mantle, or man collection. Interesting. If a man found his trophy on the mantle of a female, it allowed him full mating rights with the woman anytime she was in the mood, fed, not too tired, and didn't have a headache. The stiff competition to mate pushed men to begin traversing previously unnavigable parts of the world, such as caves, below waterfalls, and even active volcanoes in search of rare gypsum crystals and silky smooth igneous glass which the ladies simply could not resist. And competing males, while barely impressed by the unique rocks would be awestruck by the courage it took to attain them to the point where they would often award the man a trophy rock for, of their own for their bravery. This was not an incredibly new concept. Women had been trading trophies for quite some time at this point and sometimes offering collections of trophies to other women for having the most trophies and in turn giving them outright ownership of dozens, sometimes hundreds of male suitors. These powerful women held on to their property over generations by bequeathing their trophies from mother to daughter and ensuring continual family wealth and actually providing the seed of what would later become known as royalty. Eventually, to compensate for a lack of physical acuity, men began shaping lesser stones such as granite, shale, and mica into shapes such as flattering statuettes of the women they were to be gifted to. This both leveled the playing field among men of all sizes and led to incredible leaps in the development of tools, weaponry, shelter, and of course, Art. All modern sculpture is rooted in prehistoric trophyism. One could argue that nearly every aspect of our modern life, especially in capitalist nations, is directly influenced by the prehistoric practice of trophying. Only our definition of what a trophy is or can be has changed. One could easily look at the two of us and say that the only reason we go through the painstaking process of researching and producing a podcast is for money, which we can then modify into any sort of trophy, a car, a house, a large gold cup, or a tiny man holding a ceremonial wreath triumphantly over his head with which to put on display to advertise our accomplishments. One could say that, but they would be wrong. We do this for one reason, and one reason only, mm -hmm. and it's something you can't advertise on a mantle. Truth. Fame. What? You can't put fame on a mantle. Fame uh. is the ultimate manifestation of trophyism, in which the person themselves becomes the trophy. The one reason we do this is to spread truth. No, the one reason you do this is truth. I've been in it for the glory since nudity. <sighs> well, shucks. What? I was just about to award you with... This trophy for superlative passion and dedication to utter truth in journalism. Oh, wow. This is nice. Yeah, but now it just just doesn't seem right. This just says trophy with a mofty. Ignore that. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything because... I'm gonna have to ask for that back. Because of my lust for fame? Yes! But come on now! Now, now, now I'm sure I'll award you with another trophy before the week is through. Well, yeah, but... Now... Please. All right. So, since you are no longer eligible to claim this trophy, it will default 
to the next available recipient, which is me! Congratulations! Thank you so much! Oh, wow, I couldn't have done it without you. While Taylor makes some room in his collection for his most recent accolade, why don't we take a quick word from our sponsors? Hey, Kevin! Oh, hey, Taylor. Great board meeting, eh? (laughs) Yeah, I'll say. Your presentation killed. Thank you. I choked up there. No! No, 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 no. I did. I choked going to be the laughing stock of the executive washroom. You, though, you were amazing. Your laser pointer work is impeccable, and the way you glide in front of the overhead projector, it's like you're dancing with your PowerPoint presentation. Really, what's your secret? There's no secret. Just hard work, confidence, a bit of business savvy, and never underestimate the simple power of listening. Yeah, very funny. I get it. Belittle the new guy. No, it's true. That and... Uh, what? Feel my suit. Oh, God, that's so soft. It feels like a sweatshirt. It's a sweat suit. The whole thing is sweat. It's so form-fitting and well-cut that I couldn't even tell. While the rest of those stuffed shirts sit stiff as corpses around that giant table, fidgeting and adjusting under their three pieces, my clothes warm me like a hug while providing the mobility to move with grace and style. Wow, even the tie is sweat. Where did you get this? Sal's business sweats, of course. Sal's business sweats are good for any occasion. Board meetings, conference calls, luncheons, company picnics, team-building excursions, or even one-on-one golf games with the chairman of the board. You play golf with the chairman? Well, ever since I got these business sweats, he even lets me drive the cart. They sound so omnifunctional. People are going to start wondering why I never take them off. I, I, I gotta go. Are you rushing off to Sal's business sweats? You sweater, believe it. Sal's business sweats, with one convenient locations off exit 35 at the Ridge Avenue Mini Mall. The ancient trophy, the rock, is something simple that we can all appreciate, even today. No home is complete without one. But they ain't free. You gotta earn one. But trophies have had hundreds of thousands of years to evolve and transform to come in all shapes and sizes. Kevin, how many trophies would you estimate that you have? In the course of my life, I've accumulated... Somewhere between 35 and 45. Oh, not not bad. For a man of your age in this part of the world, that's, that's actually just a bit above average. Do me a favor and detail the average trophy in your collection. Uh, okay, well, most of them weigh about 2 to 5 pounds. They're made of a really high-quality 18-karat plastic. They often have a base with an engraving that says something to the effect of first place All-State Racquetball or second place National Taekwondo or Chili of the Decade. Then there is usually a gold cup or a man holding a torch or a wreath or a gold cup, usually over his head, sometimes in front of him. Yeah, no surprises there. This is the contemporary trend in trophies. If I may speak freely, I believe that the quality and variety of our trophies has been on a rapid decline since the advent of rationing during World War II. Hmm. Trophying is an ancient art, and for a long time was regarded as a duty as an American, just like growing hemp. Well, it's like we said earlier, the form of the trophy has changed with time. A nice car, a beautiful wife, a big house, a really photogenic cat. These things can all be considered trophies. Yeah, maybe for neo-trophists. I guess I'm just old-fashioned. I don't really believe in gifting oneself trophies. You just gave yourself a trophy a few moments ago. No, 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 I did not. You defaulted the trophy to me. So you say. So you believe in the tenets of classic trophyism? Yes, of course. So what's that mean? A trophy has to be made of stone? Don't be ridiculous. That's prehistoric trophyism, which is a little outdated if you ask me. Besides, 
How many rocks do you see in my trophy collection? Four. Exactly. A very small minority. Then what? The classic tenets of trophyism are very simple. One, a trophy can be made of any tangible material. Okay. Two, a trophy must be adorned with a plaque or engraving. Sure. And thirdly, and most importantly, a trophy may not be bestowed upon oneself. It's a free country, so why can't I give myself a trophy if I want to? Because it then ceases to be a trophy. Then what is it? So when you go out shopping, what do you usually buy? Stuff? Precisely. So classically speaking, stuff can become a trophy if gifted to another, but even a trophy is just stuff if gifted to oneself? Clobviously. I get that. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I do get it. You don't agree? I do not. I see no reason why one should not be able to grant oneself a trophy. It's preposterous. Is it preposterous to self-acknowledge the private or more personal accomplishments of oneself? Who are you or a classic trophyists like Copernicus and Chekhov to denounce the chosen method of self-affirmation from, of millions of people the world over? Are you one of those postmodern trophyists who gives themselves a trophy every birthday? Loud and proud, brother. Check this out. Oh, this is nice. How cute. Oh, it says you made it. Every year we remain alive is a triumph worthy of physical recognition. Yeah, I'm sure it is. In fact, you might say that every day that we survive on this rotten planet is a triumph. Yeah, or every minute. Stop it! You sound ignorant. I'm trophy serious right now. Every day we make it through, we deserve an award. Every night we rest our heads against a pillow rather than against the barrel of a loaded gun is worthy of a trophy as grand as the Trojan horse. Every time we clock into work, we are submitting ourselves to a crushing drudgery that has become so banal we can't even remember what it feels like to feel feelings anymore. Every time we tighten our neckties and comb our hair and start our homemade blimps and take off for the supermarket and resist the astounding urge to crash directly into the ground, putting a merciful and fiery stop to what would have been 50-odd more years of anxiety and boredom, every time we coerce ourselves to follow rules that inhibit our innermost desires is a victory over the forces of darkness and madness, forces which become ever more tempting with each passing rotation of the earth. I think I read that on your Facebook the other day. I couldn't tell because you didn't like it. Well, I didn't like it. That's fine. 37 of my real friends did like it. Yeah, but did they actually like it? Don't be crass. You sound like a child, raised on Mellow Yellow and Bubsy the Cat. You actually believe that a trophy in this modern era is an intangible collection of likes on your Facebook wall, comments on your YouTube video, or, or a level 60 warlock in Fantasy Star Online? But until someone develops some sort of cyber mantle with which to show your stats off, they will never qualify as legitimate trophies. What you have just described is the internet. If you are going to qualify online statistics as trophies, then you are handing over the majority of the world's finest honors to cats, Asian girls with really big eyes, and epic fails. Epic fails, for God's sakes! It's a paradox to even consider awarding them. And don't even get me started on the backwards logic of hoisting your desktop PC. You're so sad. You just keep combating the evolving trophy landscape the internet is introducing instead of embracing it. Here, I was going to present you this trophy to celebrate your candor, but the hypocrisy of you giving yourself my trophy for exceptional truth in journalism made me think twice. But you know what? What the hell? I'm going to give it to you just to make a point. Oh, wow. Oh, thanks, buddy. 
This just says trophy with the most. Ignore that. Okay. Take it home. Put it on your mantle beside your Little League soccer trophies and your Pulitzer Prize. I will. I know. And guess what? What? No one will see it. I will. You will. Yes. Okay. And maybe your wife, but your kids won't see it. I'm sure they will. No, they won't. They will be preoccupied checking out all their friends' online stats, way too engaged to glance up to do anything except photograph a meal they're about to eat. But, uh, no, I'm raising my kids differently. Wake up! One day, after you die, your kids will be going through your things and will just gawk, confused at this dusty, jagged display of worthless plastic men. And the last thing they will ever do for you, their last act to eulogize you, will be to snap a picture of your sooty mantle and post it on the Facebook page they made in honor of your life. Then, and only then, will anyone see your trophy for exceptional candor. That's not a world I want to live in. You're living in it now. I need a moment. While Taylor wrestles with this hard knowledge I just dropped on him, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, you like beer? I like beer. That's why I opened the beer store. There's a few all over the city. You've probably driven by at least one at some point. We sell beer. We've got all types of beer. We've got pilsners, lagers, ales, IPAs, stouts, box, porters, um, marzins, dunkles, gooses, sassons, and barley wine. Some of it is already refrigerated, but most of it is not. We've got pretty much every size, too. If you want just one can of beer, you can get that. Or a six-pack, or a case. We have a few kegs. And we sell and fill growlers, which is a really good investment. And we have a rotating selection of local craft beers by the growler. If you don't have a growler, you should get one. Also, everyone who works at the beer store loves beer, and they love talking about beer, so they'd be more than happy to help you with whatever you need. You can't drink at the beer store. Just to clarify, we don't have that type of license, and it's not a bar, it's a store. We also have a few other things. Uh, we've got a modest selection of wine and spirits, whiskey and vodka and such, as well as some snacks, peanuts, pretzels, candy bars. We also sell a few sodas and sports drinks if you so desire, but really, the bulk of the store is beer and beer-related paraphernalia. It's a nice place to do your beer shopping, I think. So if you want some beer to take home or to a friend's place or whatever, come to the beer store. We close at 10 daily. The beer store. We've got beer. Are you okay? Definitely not. Do you need another moment? Okay. I'll handle this. Uh, Kevin, I think the big question here is once we have attained a trophy, what are we to do with it? Why admire it, of course. I mean, trophies of the past possessed a certain utility, but many believe in contemporary society that this is unnecessary. I would argue the opposite, though. Think about trophy wives, trophy cars, trophy houses. All of these material objects have a specific function, even after they've ascended to the annals of trophyhood. I would argue that 
Mankind's opinion of what a trophy is has expanded. I would argue that almost anything can become a trophy. I disagree. Oh, look into back. the heap of trophies behind me. Do you see my fourth place Monaco Grand Prix trophy? Even amongst your numerous awards, it's hard to miss. And while it is a trophy, it has the secondary characteristic of being a tidy iron car. Iron? Fourth place is iron. You tried. Yeah. Whereas our research van, while also made of iron, is an automobile with trophy-like properties. Of what kind? Our lovable novelty license plate serves as a plaque of sorts. I still can't believe know-it-all was unused. Also, it's a status symbol. A car that heavy requires a ton of gas, and only affluent gentlemen such as ourselves can afford to keep the tank full. Okay, so you're saying that a trophy's trophiness is not defined by perception? I suppose so. I couldn't disagree more. I, I think that a trophy can be almost anything. To me, one man's treasure is another man's trophy. So, by your definition, is treasure a trophy? Hmm, no. No, material value is not an indicator of an object's trophiness. The Stanley Cup, for instance, is riddled with holes and encrusted with barnacles. Yet year after year, athletes brutalize one another on the ice for just one hoist. Now, Taylor and I absolutely have our contradictory views here and there, but we do agree on the trophy-tude of medals, blue ribbons, and general stars. Are they trophies? The answer, sadly, is no. No, no. I simply feel that in order for something to be a trophy, it must be mounted on a sturdy surface of faux... Yeah, or real marble, and it must have its vital deed engraved upon either a cup, little baseball man, or gilded plaque. Ribbons, while quite precious, are just clothing. Medals fall under the category of precious jewelry. And general stars are merely precious. So, to clarify, trophies have no minimum or maximum size. Right. They can be of any shape, given for any deed, and composed of almost any tangible material. Uh-hmm, yeah. The Ingredients which make a trophy a trophy, rather than a mere award, are its lack of immediate usefulness, the presence of a reason for its presentation, mm -hmm. and the characteristic mount and plaque combo. So, the Statue of Liberty is a trophy? Fucking A. For? Most immigrants. Well, we built the base of it, you know, with the plaque? Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, your need to breathe free, of course. Uh, shouldn't that bar it from being a trophy as it is partially self-awarded? Uh, no, it gets a little blurry there. Hardcore purists say that it does. I happen to think the opposite. N no one ever visits New York to check out the base of the Statue of Liberty. That, that is a good point. My question is, why would the French, of all people, give us such an awesome trophy? Well, the French were allies with the Union Army during the American Civil War. They felt that a symbol of independence should be constructed as an act of unity between the two nations. What did the French get in return? Wh what? We're talking about global relations. Nothing is free in this world. Except for trophies, that's the beauty of it. Ideally, yes, but we do not live in an ideal world. You think that a nation like France is going to expend millions of dollars and thousands of lives to aid the Union and the Civil War, only to later spend more money, time, and resources to gift the entire nation a trophy? I don't buy it. Well, th then what? It goes all the way back to the Civil War. Why do you think the French chose to help the Union? Because they believed in freedom. They were against slavery. Most every person in the world is against slavery, but it still exists even today in many parts of the world. Uh, to strengthen relations with the nation they believed that would win win the war. Right. Why, though? A future trading. Of what? Goods. What specifically? Hmm. 
think about that period in American history. What major construction effort was currently underway? Um, the Transcontinental Railroad? Correct. Opium. Exactly. The Transcontinental Railroad well, also spurred the opium well, but boom. There's no way Lincoln would possibly risk getting caught in a massive drug deal, especially during a war, especially when he was also working tirelessly to free the slaves. You're absolutely right. Lincoln needed someone to take on the task, someone with all the crucial skills he lacked to run such an elaborate operation. The connections, the muscle, the business savvy, the refined palate for quality opiates, and that is just what old Abe got when he recruited Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant. Grant. Of course, it all makes perfect sense. God, I've always wondered why Lincoln would appoint such an erratic drunkard to the position of Union Army General. He was a decent military leader, but as a drug kingpin, he was a savant. Yeah, I can see that. Lincoln had his hands full with the Emancipation Proclamation, and the Confederacy was cracking under the pressure from Sherman's march, leaving a perfect gap in the western territories for Ulysses S. Grant to stealthily pack hundreds of trains with opium, ride the rails east to New York City disguised as a common boxcar tramp where he would meet his French connection. Just like the movie. Where do you think they got it from? Who who would then ship it directly to Paris to feed France's unquenchable thirst for the Chinese molasses? That's why the Union was so much wealthier than the Confederacy. Lincoln allowed Grant hmm. to keep 90% of the money he made for himself under the condition that he also bankrolled the Union Army. Because of it, the war didn't cost the Union a cent. And the opium boom in France helped sedate the protestations of their involvement in the Crimean War. Unfortunately, due to the extreme illegality of what he did, Grant's identity had to remain anonymous, even to the French. So, when the Statue of Liberty was gifted to the American people without even a nod to the now former President Grant, he naturally fell into a deep, dark depression. Check out this quote I found uh, from Grant's autobiography, Taken for granted. Every time I take a sip of my single-barrel old hickory whiskey, or puff on a hand-rolled Guatemalan cigar, or take a huge rip of some hand-picked Nebraskan railroad opium, it is to distract my mind from the empty shelf looming over my roaring fireplace. Each delicious tranquilizer is a prize from a lifetime of accomplishment. I've been the army general on the winning side of a war. I've been president of the greatest nation in the world. I've opiated more people than anyone in history. I've imbibed all the finest dishes, delicacies, and inebriates to gluttonous excess. By all accounts, I should look back on my life with the pride only a rare few in history have felt. Instead, I lament. Only having millions of dollars, a beautiful family, historical significance, and a barren mantle, echoing the true meaninglessness of it all. Without a proper memento to venerate, I spend my lonesome winter years tirelessly doubting that it, any of it, ever meant a thing. For all he did, they should have scratched his name into the base of the Statue of Liberty or something. It's never too late. Ulysses S. Grant, if you were still alive, I would absolutely send you one of the many trophies we have clotting up the studio. I'd give him one for simply 
transitively being the reason the Statue of Liberty, the largest and best trophy in the world, was constructed. Is it the largest trophy in the world? Absolutely. What about the Colossus of Rhodes? If it still stood, it would still be just a statue. No mount, no plaque, just 500 feet of bronze and brawn. What about... I can guarantee that whatever you are about to suggest is a statue and not a trophy. Okay, well, if you can, give yourself a trophy. You can't. Thought experiment. Just say you can. I disagree, but okay. Hypoth, go on. If we take into account mass, height, volume, and a certain quality of magnificence, I'd wager to say that the Great Pyramids are the largest trophy ever made. How are they even trophies? Where's the mount? The whole thing is the mount for the top piece, which I'm sure contains the mummy of Ramses II. Naturally. Plaque? Again, it is the plaque. Its surface is covered in hieroglyphics commemorating the accomplishments of the rule and the thousands of lives expended in its construction. Okay, here's the clincher. Little man or cup? The tomb not only contains his preserved body, but likely a menagerie of cups, bowls, saucers, and jars replete with entrails. I must admit, you're batting pretty high here. Uh Uh-huh. What about intention? The least measurable and arguably most important aspect of trophyhood. Hmm. Well, if it is a gift to oneself, it is simply a grand gesture that the pharaoh, much like me, made it. Oh. Yes. Yeah, clever. Think about this, though, for a moment. Even if you cannot give yourself a trophy, as you so loudly and perpetually proclaim, the real recipients of these monoliths are the gods. The organs, the body, the mass of gold and riches, the hieroglyphics chronicling a life as close to godly as a human could possibly rise to attain is the most flattering and sacrosanct trophy a mere mortal could ever hope to bestow upon their creator. God, when you put it that way, my argument is nullified. I concede. The pyramids are truly the trophies with the mofty. Congratulations, Egypt. To commemorate your accomplishment, we will be sending you second class... A trophy of your own. Just ignore that trophy with the Mofti is not written in Arabic characters, and you will hold a personalized piece of podcast history, as well as, finally, definitive proof of your monumental accomplishments. Just as Kevin and I will now reward one another with trophies to celebrate the monumental accomplishment of completing another perfect episode. Here you are. Thank you, and for you... We do this every episode. It just seemed fitting to do it while still recording this week. As does listener mail. Ah, yes, thanks. You led me right into it. Um, I always do, pretty naturally. Here, can you take this trophy so I can read this letter? Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. I feel so powerful with both of these in my hands. You're, You're strong. So... This week's letter comes from Mildred Flaisley of Newington, Connecticut. She writes, Dear Tay and Kay, The other day I walked in on my two young children listening to your most recent episode about dinosaurs. My children love dinosaurs. Uh, It was quite amazing to observe them learning about the roots of paleontology and the war of Cope and Marsh. I was appalled, however, at the lackluster research you did into the age of the dinosaurs. They're always appalled. Claiming dinosaurs existed hundreds of millions of years ago was an absolute impossibility when the world was created only 6,000 years in the past. Hmm. I thought of all people, you two would have the decency to check your facts, and until you do, my children and I will be listening exclusively to This American Life. This comes from Mildred Flaisley from the evidently stupid town of Newington, Connecticut. Mildred, 
Uh, just so you know, we did check our facts. Dinosaurs existed hundreds of millions of years ago. We made no mention otherwise because the idea of them existing 6,000 years ago is... Absurd. I was going to say retarded, but I feel like that's uncouth. It definitely is. No, 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 no. Hold on. Just hear me out. It does completely apply, since it is an idea which slows, delays, or prevents progress, thus retarding it. I'll allow it. Good. Thank you for allowing that. Mildred, tough ditties to you. Well done, Taylor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, we've already got trophies, so I suppose we should just... Uh, end of episode? Yeah. Special thanks to Hannibal Dandy Cloth for providing the voice of Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, thanks for listening to uh, this week's episode of Note All with Tay and Kay. I'm Tay. I'm Kay. And join us next time for an exciting episode about heists. This episode of Know It All with Tay and Kay was brought to you by Bathroom Rugs. <laughs> <laughs>